Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was time to give the Apostle Paul a gift. I like gifts. You probably like gifts. I'm sure Paul liked gifts, especially gifts from God. So Paul was caught up into the third heaven. He actually didn't say it was him. Simply calls this person who was caught up a man. But as we read on, it becomes clear that Paul is really talking about himself. He sees things too magnificent to describe. But that was not the gift. Next, he says, this man was caught up into paradise. Scholars have spilled a lot of ink about whether that's the same thing as the third heaven or something different, and opinions are mixed. But Paul said he heard things that could not be told, which man may not utter, things that defy explanation Things for which there are no words. But that was not the gift. And then Paul says, because he had seen and heard these things, whether in the body or out of the body, he doesn't know. But so that no one will think more of Paul than he deserves. And so that Paul himself will not become elated or puffed up. The Lord gives him his gift. A thorn in the flesh. It sounds like he's still there when he gets his gift. In the third heaven, in paradise, seeing and hearing these things too great for words. And compared to those things, a thorn in the flesh, not much of a gift. So, uh, no thank you, God. Please take it away, take it back. Three times, Paul says, he asked that. Pleaded with God, tried to return this gift. But then it was the Lord's turn to say no. No to Paul's request. Paul needed this gift from God. So in just a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Paul goes from the heights of these glorious revelations to the depths of having a messenger of Satan, literally an angel of Satan, to harass him. A lot of ink has been spilled about that too. What exactly went Paul meant by that, what that thorn in the flesh was, but that's really not the point. The point is what the Lord tells Paul Next, my gift to you wasn't a mistake, and I'm not taking it back. My grace, my gift is sufficient for you. That is, it is of service to you. That is, it is good for you. Your weakness is my power. Now, Why was Paul telling the Corinthians all this? Because there were some people who had come to Corinth 
and were teaching and preaching a different gospel. And they were claiming to be apostles, and not just apostles, but super apostles, above Peter and Paul and the others. And they said, look at them, Peter and Paul and the others. They're poor, despised, lowly, harassed. They're being martyred. Clearly, God is not with them as he is with us. God takes care of his own. Well, that is certainly true. God does take care of his own. But what does that mean? What does that look like? Maybe not what you think. Maybe it looks quite different than worldly success, worldly power. When God takes care of his own, maybe it looks like a cross. In describing his own situation, his revelation, and then his gift, this thorn in the flesh, what happened to Paul sounds an awfully like what happened to Jesus himself. The very Son of God was in the heights of the heavens at the Father's right hand and then came down. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God's greatest gift to us come not in worldly glory, but poor despised and lowly. He was harassed, and not by a messenger of Satan, but by Satan himself, tempted in the wilderness, harassed and tormented on the cross, and harassed on the cross not just by Satan, but as we heard today, also harassed by the people of his own hometown who took offense at him, who rejected him, who said, no thank you to God, For him, for this gift. But in this weakness was the power of God. The salvation of God here in this poor, lowly body who was laid in a manger. Who had to flee from King Herod. Who had no place to lay his head. Who got tired and hungry and thirsty. In this body was the one who took on sin, death, and the devil and won. There was a 17th century Lutheran pastor in Poland by the name of Valerius Herberger. He had an interesting thing to say about all this. He was writing actually about the patriarch Jacob. And specifically when his son Joseph was taken away from him by his brothers who first wanted to kill him but then settled for selling him into slavery. They dipped the special coat of many colors his father had given him in blood and told the old man that a beast had gotten him. And so understandably Jacob's heart was broken and he would not be consoled. For 22 years... And then 22 years later, after 22 years of mourning, Jacob found out that Joseph was alive, and not just alive, but the vice president of Egypt, the famine czar, who was keeping that whole region alive during a severe seven-year famine by supplying food that he had stored up. So here's the interesting thought that 
Pastor Herberger had about that. He said, Jacob thought for 22 years that he was crying and mourning because of a great adversity. Now, the outcome showed that he had unwittingly wept for his own prosperity. Because now, because of what had happened to Joseph, not only did they have food, but they were given land in Egypt and were well cared for for the rest of Jacob's life. Jacob unwittingly wept for his own prosperity. Now perhaps we could use Pastor Herberger's insight here and apply it to these other situations. Paul thought his gift from God was a great adversity that he didn't want. But the outcome showed that he was unwittingly rejecting his own prosperity. The disciples thought for three days that they were weeping over the death of Jesus as a great adversity. But the outcome showed that they had unwittingly wept for their own prosperity. Would Paul have been Paul without his thorn in the flesh? By his own testimony, he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. So it would follow that when he was strong, he was really weak. So without this thorn, would he have messed up everything? Would he have relied on his own wisdom and strength? When he did that, he persecuted the church instead of planting it. And of course, Jesus would not have been Jesus without the cross. And without the death of Jesus, of course, we would be poorer. Maybe not in this world, if we could do whatever we want and get whatever we want and accumulate however much we want, but when we die, we would have nothing. So are there some now rejoicing in their prosperity and yet unwittingly rejoicing in their poverty? And are there some now rejoicing in their life and yet unwittingly rejoicing in their death? And what about you? What have you prayed for that maybe God didn't give you? Healing? To overcome some particular obstacle? For a particular gift. But so far, at least, like Paul, the answer has been no. A big, fat no. We don't like no. We think God doesn't like us when he says no. We think there's something wrong with us when God says no. But Paul had to learn that the gifts of God are always good and he always uses them for his good, whether they seem good to us or not. Even when they seem to us like socks under the Christmas tree instead of that new phone or video game that we really wanted. And Paul did learn. 
Later, when he and Silas were in prison in chains, they're singing hymns and praising God, which terribly confuses the jailer. And Paul would also write that I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now that's not to say do nothing and just accept whatever comes along. Not at all. The gifts of God also include the vocations that he's given you for you to do good to others and the other people that he's given you to do good for you. Paul sang hymns and praised God while he was in prison, but he also appealed to Caesar for justice. So don't do nothing. But he learned not to limit his joy and faith to only those times when things worked out how he wanted them to or according to how he thought they should. He came to understand that the gifts of God are much bigger than that and might look quite different than he or anyone else thought. And today, too, the Christian life may not be what we think or imagine or are told. For today is Independence Day, and many Christians think that just as our country grew and gained its independence, so also Christians should grow in the faith and become independent and less dependent on God. But the truth is exactly the opposite. To grow in faith is to grow more and more dependent on God. To rely on his words and promises and gifts. It is to grow more and more in repentance and rely on his forgiveness. It is to grow more and more in the knowledge of our own weakness and inability and rely on his strength. It is to grow more and more aware of all that we do not know. And rely on his mercy. The God who as we prayed in the collect today. Whose almighty power is made known chiefly. In showing mercy. So what are the gifts that God has given you? You might answer that differently now than if I had asked at the beginning of the sermon. Maybe some of them we know. Maybe some we don't. Maybe some, like Paul, we don't think are gifts at all. So Paul says, rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. For that is what faith does. Faith in our gift-giving God. And then also come and receive the gifts that we know are gifts. The gifts our Savior has put here for us in water and words and in bread and wine. The gifts that flow from the cross. The gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. These are the gifts that Jesus sent the apostles out to give in our gospel reading today. And the gifts that he's still giving now through his church and through his pastors. Gifts that might look ordinary and poor but are really extraordinary and rich. Gifts that seem weak, but really are strong. 
Gifts that can give what no other gifts can give. Jesus himself. And that's the gift that will never stop being given. For when we are cast down into the dust of death, we will, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, be raised up to life again. And not just life, but eternal life. Life with no more tears, no death, no sadness, and no confusion. Everything made clear that all that God did, all that our Lord gave, really was good and worked for our good. Even if you thought it was a thorn. In your flesh. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.